Welcome to the Farm Team Podcast, presented by HockeyAI.tech. I'm your host, Elliot Sheen. I'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge that this episode was recorded in Calgary, Alberta, on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nations, which includes the Siksika, the Pekani, the Kainai, and we also acknowledge the Sutina and Stony Nakoda First Nations, the Métis Nation, and all the people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. Thank you. In today's episode of the Farm Team Podcast, I'm honored to be joined by Kimberly, British Columbia's very own Matt Wilkins. Matt is in the midst of his fifth professional hockey season and is currently a member of HC Gardena in the Alps Hockey League, located in the beautiful northern Italy town of Selva. Wilkes has had an amazingly successful career and continues to demonstrate his ability to produce and play the role of a highly skilled defensive winger. Matt was fortunate to start his junior career playing for his hometown, the Kimberley Dynamiters, followed by a year in the BCHL for the Trail Smoke Eaters, and spent his final two seasons of junior hockey playing for the Brooks Bandits of the AJHL, where he helped establish the foundation for where the program stands today as a national powerhouse. During his junior hockey tenure, Wilkes earned himself a scholarship to play for the Union College Dutchman, located in Schenectady, New York, where he played for four seasons and graduated as team captain in 2016. In only his second season with the Dutchman, Wilkes played a major role in leading the team to its second consecutive ECAC championship and the school's first NCAA national championship. After college, Wilkes continued his career and played two seasons in the ECHL for the Reading Royals before heading overseas to pursue his professional hockey career in the European leagues. I look forward to our conversation today and hope to learn more about Matt and his experience with the game of hockey and provide some actionable insight for the next generation of student athletes. With that, Matthew, welcome to the program. Thanks for the intro, man. That was in depth. A little flashback to the days in Schenectady, eh? Yeah, Schenectady. What a place. Yeah, what a great word, town. But yeah. So yeah, no, Wilkes, I'm, I'm glad uh, we were able to connect today. It's been uh, a few years since we, we've touched base. So, um, you know, I've followed your, your hockey career along and it's been pretty incredible. And Obviously, back in your NCAA experience, uh, you, you guys were able to win a first-time school national championship. So, you know, I had quite the, quite the run. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's been great. And, uh, yeah, I'm honored to be on here. I've listened to a few episodes for sure. So, uh, happy to be here. Oh, that's great. Well, let's talk about this because I think, uh, like, a lot of just kind of get to know you, I guess, and, you know, some of the, the background behind. But so COVID, obviously, in, in Canada, it was a big thing, uh, you know, well, when it first started, rolled out was in Italy. That was like the, the hotbed of, of COVID. Was it yeah. something that affected last season for you guys? And what was that experience like for you? It did, yeah. Um, I mean, we saw it coming. Um, we have, I mean, it's a ski resort town, like one of the best, you know, ski places in the world. Like a Whistler type um, of town? Yeah, but the, I mean, there's there's slopes. Like you can ski for days without, without touching them all. Like, really, hey? It's crazy. There's the amount of uh, like gondolas and chairlifts, and it. I, I wish I had a number. I should have. I should have got a number, but it's like 150 gondolas and chairlifts, like in our really? in our area. Oh yeah. You What's the population to, uh, of the town? Other towns and uh, seven thousand, I think, in all like the three towns. There's okay. Ordeze, uh Santa Cristina, and Selva, all in yeah. the Val Gardena. So I think it's like 7,000. So it's all, it's all tourists. Um, so obviously uh, we had people coming in from uh, Milan where like the f- yeah. first outbreak was. 
so all these people are coming up to ski and uh like you could just see it was gonna get it was gonna get bad really hey uh oh yeah um you know so we we knew it was coming and it was kind of funny the people here were like oh no it's you know it's fake news it's 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 not a big deal um that was in like in march i think we went home yeah um well i guess before that our season got cut short um regular season finished and that was it there were no playoffs they they just stopped it um we had fans right to the end which was which was good but they they put an end to the season so uh we got out of here pretty crazy actually they said uh i was supposed to get surgery on my knee and they uh they said you're okay you're getting in monday well monday comes around and they shut down all elective surgeries in italy so they're like okay you're not getting surgery um yeah just hang out for a couple weeks and we'll see what happens well the next day uh, the manager called me and was like okay like you need to leave in two hours like they're shutting down the town if you want to get back to Canada, you got to leave now kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even, an, it wasn't even an option. It was like, we're picking you up in two hours. Really? So it was like a state of emergency at that point, kind of countrywide. Maybe? Yeah, for sure. And I, like, they were trying to keep a lockdown on like uh, specific like municipalities. So they were like <laughs> the military or whatever is coming in to set up a block on our town. Cause there's like one way in and one way out. Right. Yeah. Um, so me and my, uh fiance were like in a absolute panic trying to pack up our apartment we hadn't started anything yeah is she uh, from uh, is she from that town or no she's uh i met her in reading when i was playing okay there. awesome uh so she's been with me for yeah three third year now and in, in europe she's been with me but uh we managed to pack up what we could and left uh left our apartment and the car a bit of a mess but we got we got shipped out of here and uh no questions asked at the airports like it was crazy really hey like like, yeah it's just a wild thing to think and you know if people are if there's like a a state of panic i guess then i could imagine that it's all a new thing for you and you're probably holy fuck like what the hell do i do yeah and uh, you know we were trying to find out what's going to happen like if i our flight was like Munich to Newark or something. I was like, yeah. what's going to happen if I land in the States or like, you know, all these things that, that were up in the air and it was like, you know, the in Munich, they were like, okay, get out of here. Like, yeah, leave. And then when I landed in Newark, they were like, uh, you know, you should probably quarantine. <laughs> yeah. Cause <laughs> this would have been back in March eh? and like, there really wasn't any response even in just North America in general for, you know, a couple more oh, months yeah. after that exactly they had like really no idea what was coming and whereas we'd been through it for for a month and we like you know you could just tell it that this was going yeah worldwide did they like test like like test your temperature or anything or just kind of recommended you quarantine and just recommended and i didn't even ask where i was going you know i'd show my canadian passport obviously and you know they saw that i my visa was for northern italy yeah, the thing is, they're they coming like fast forward a couple of years. They're like pinpoint. It's like to you that brought COVID over. To America. Yeah. yeah, and then I go back to you know Kimberly, a small little town, and it's like, how did this start? Yeah, no kidding. So, <laughs> did you guys spend the summer then in Canada, or did you spend uh, where your fiance is from down in the U.S.? Uh, I spent uh, two weeks there, so we did you know quarantine. 
Yeah. Um, I quarantined there and then uh, I, it was when they were talking about closing the Canada U S border. So I was like, I don't like, I'm going to go home or back yeah. to Canada. So I went up to my uh, farm in Ontario. My old man was there and uh, making maple syrup. So <laughs> putting holes in the trees. I, uh, away. Yeah. So I went up there for, uh, you know, three weeks and helped him out and made a lot of maple syrup and was planning on uh, Dana meeting me up there, but, you know, the way it all went, I didn't see her until I actually came back to Italy. So it was like six months. Really? Hey, you guys kind of separated for a little bit. I mean, that must have been a daunting experience as well too, right? Cause what can you do? For sure. It was like the, you know, the, the Canada U S borders closed. Like, you know, we, we never expected that one to happen. So. Yeah. And then, so you come back here for the summer and do the most Canadian thing ever tap trees for, for maple syrup. Yeah. Uh, what was the, like throughout the summer, what was the feedback you were getting from, you know, this following season of what was going to happen? Was it, cause it's crazy how Italy in general, again, I'm not too well versed on what's going on in Italy, but it seemed like it was, fast, the yeah. recovery was very fast, yeah. right? The recovery, yeah. did you hear me there? Yeah. Yeah. So the it's recovery happened really fast. And then, you know, yeah. coming into that summer, it was probably everything was up in the air, but when did they confirm that there was going to be a start to the season? Um, well, I actually signed, uh, last January for this year. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, it was, COVID wasn't, wasn't, uh, an issue when I was renegotiating. Yep. Um, so I was always in the back of my mind this summer, like, you know, what's going to happen with my salary, the season, everything. Um, so they contacted me late, late july i guess and we're obviously like uh you know we have to renegotiate um the pandemic is obviously taking you know the sponsors and everything that that our team relies on for money um you know was up in the air um but they were pretty certain that our league was gonna start and that was you know the main one of the main reasons i decided to come back uh You know, I'm talking to my agent, a bunch of the other leagues had no idea. Um, plus, you know, we I knew I liked it here. Um, yeah. You know, that we can't get better better scenery in the world, I think. Um, you know, and the guys are great. Um, you know, the, the fiancé loves it here, which is, which is huge. You know, yep. she's happy. It, it makes the world a difference. So, um but yeah, I knew, uh, you know, with this league being the one that right from the get-go said they were going to do everything they could to make the season start on time and, yeah. you know, make it happen, that I knew I wanted to, to come back here. For sure. What do you think was, uh, like, the government or the localities or whatever, um, what do you think they did to help dial in this the curve i guess in order to be able to kick back up and start regular life again you know within a matter of a few short months was there anything that kind of stuck out in your mind um you know they didn't really follow government guidelines because it was you know it's the alps league it's italy austria and slovenia okay so i kind of think they had like you know their own little leeway because it wasn't a league that's specifically in italy or specifically in austria so I think they had a little bit of leeway, even when it was, you know, the borders were shut down at the start of this year, you know, teams were fined across the border with, really, hey? you know, 
yeah, like it was just so strange. Um, but I think that was one of the reasons that our league was, you know, the first league in Europe to start. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe those locals weren't wrong when they uh, kind of hinted towards fake news because, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to jump down that road on this podcast, but it is crazy to see. <laughs> you know, it's uh, know. it's horrible to see, especially for youth sports and in Calgary. Like, like there's outdoor rinks everywhere you go, and they're just packed right now with kids out there playing. Meanwhile, they can't go and do a regulated, or a regulated season and, you know, actually have coaches to yeah. help develop in them, right? So it's – but at the yeah, same time, it's I've talked to a lot of the parents out on the ice too, and, you know, they're trying to make the best out of it. And, you know, they're like, you know, it's half the time it's better to come out here where the kid can just go with his friends than it is to, you know, go and have a shitty practice that's – you can't even be around your kids kind of thing, right? So Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're just out there like, you know, having fun, the love of the game. For sure. What's you know, the – Sometimes they just need that. Exactly. What's the status of uh, youth hockey over in Italy? Are other leagues like that? Um, are they competing this year? Um, yeah, I know uh, the juniors, junior team yep. um, in Gardena, they were paused for, I think, only maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks, and they started back up again. Uh, youth hockey is not happening. No. So I think – what would junior 16, I guess juniors would be. So under 16, I don't think anything, uh, any hockey is happening, any organized hockey. Yeah. Same thing, probably outdoor rinks, I'd imagine out there that you guys can. Outdoor rinks are open, yeah. Yeah, they can skate on. No, it's, 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 yeah. it's crazy time, really. I mean, I'm glad that you're able to play because there's quite a few guys that are, are kind of at a standstill in some of those leagues, especially in like Germany yeah. and all that. So um, how's the season going for you guys so far? Uh, I mean, not bad. All like, things considered. Um, yeah, all things considered. Obviously, uh, less budget. We have, you know, two less imports. Uh, yeah. So there's only me and uh, another Canadian kid uh, from BC too. Um, yeah. So there's only two of us this year. And a lot of the other teams in our league um, rely on local, local talent. Yeah. Um, guys who, you know, maybe come back when they're older after playing in other leagues and you know that helps a lot and in, in in a league like this and we don't we don't have that you know we have a lot of young guys from this from this area yep um great kids you know work ethic but uh you know the youth hockey development i guess would in italy isn't i wouldn't say up to par but kind of what we're used to in canada where it's you know every every kid who's going to play pro hockey from or major junior hockey or junior hockey. Yeah. You know, they, they've been coached. Right. Um, it's yeah. Since the start, right. It's like, you know, when you're in yeah. in novice or even peewee, when the body checking kind of, kind of comes into it, you have coaches that, exactly. you know, have to teach you that kind of stuff. So, I mean, that's the most important thing is learning that game young. So you're exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. So, do you guys? Do you guys uh, as uh, do you guys as players um, coach? Like, have opportunities to coach or help train kids, uh, or is there uh, any like community engagement that way? For sure, I'm, I'm obviously not this year, but yeah. um, you know, last year being in, here in this in this town, we had uh, we would coach um, the imports. Most of the guys, uh, local guys, either work or in school, so yeah. uh, the imports would coach uh twice a week for an hour uh different age groups and just try to get out there and 
you know, it's good too, because the coaches um, ask our opinion on a lot of stuff too. Right. Cause they're sure. not a lot of them played um, and they're just out there for their kids. Right. They're trying to get them to learn. And so they're, they were, they were really good about asking us, uh, you know, drills and habits and stuff like that. So it was, it was fun. It's different than, you know, coaching, you know, running hockey schools back home where yeah. you know, kids know everything. It was like, they were so um, willing to learn here. Yeah. wanting to learn it was uh it was cool and we missed that this year what do you like is there a constant or a, a common theme i guess of kind of questions that they ask and what are their what are the coaches hopes for their kids and players um to further the, their careers are they looking at north american leagues or other european leagues that you can kind of get into that uh junior- the, um you know they're looking at the alps league they're looking at gardena um so yeah. the way hockey works here is if you play your minor hockey and your junior hockey in this town in Gardena, then the pro team owns your rights. Okay. Interesting. So, um, unless you, a team will buy your rights or you buy your own rights, uh, you know, they're going to be, their goal is to play pro hockey for Gardena because, you know, that's kind of their only, their only hope. And the only, uh, I guess, higher, team would be Balzano yeah and they're in uh that's the highest team in Italy and there's only one team they're the only team sorry that plays in the Evel the Evel um, in Italy yeah oh I guess it's now the what is it the bet at home ice hockey league it's not the Evel anymore is that what is it now bet at home bet ice at hockey home. league yeah, that's it is funny. I've talked to a couple of European guys, and that's the like they love people around there love gambling, right? So if they can gamble on anything, yeah. exactly what they want. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's, that's why you guys are playing because you got to feed the gambling habits. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, it's funny. Our coach is like, you know, betting on games in our league every night. <laughs> well, didn't you, there was something that came out recently? I, I again, I haven't confirmed it, but I heard through the grapevine that something in the Swedish second league there was some uh, game. I don't even what the hell oh, they call betting it. on their own game. Yeah, I think, and like there was a goalie, and it kind of brings me back to a couple other situations. Even in the NCAA, like right, goalies like catch it and throw it between their legs. It's like okay, yeah. well, like, you know, see <laughs> something going on. Yeah, what do you got going on? Yeah, exactly right. But uh, no, that's yeah. awesome. Is there so with the kids? I mean, it kind of leads into your career in a way. Um, is there interest for the Italian kids in the junior age to come over to North America to play in the NCAA? league division three or division one or ACHA, or is that even like a, an option for some of these kids? Yeah. Like I've, there's a couple good young kids on our team that I've, you know, had the conversation with and they're, you know, it's not even in their, really? not even in their heads. Um, you know, Italy is not, you know, known as a hockey country. <laughs> so I don't think, I think that, has a lot to do with it too. Schools aren't going to come looking. Um, For sure. Know, Italian kids. And it's, you know, where, how are they going to reach out? You know, kids on our team who would be interested? Like there's no, there's nobody guiding them on, yeah. you know, the options out there. So it, it's like, where, how would we even go about that? Yeah. So, I mean, kind of answer that question. That's what kind of teed me up there for hockey. AI plugged, but you know, it's, 
in that sense, you'd have to have a family advisor or a connection that has a direct connection over to the North American leagues, right? Because we've seen that sure. in uh, Ukraine, I think, has a, a guy or two that's sending at least 10 to 15 kids a year over to this Western States Hockey League in Northern Alberta and basically all of the, the Western United States. But it is a common theme of unless someone knows or has a connection that it's not even on their radar, right? So that's where yeah. Hockey AI kind of comes in and it, if you are in elite prospects, which I'm sure a lot of these guys are um, on yeah. the team, we can take all the stats that we have. And I mean, there's not too many people, again, like you said, coming out of Italy, going to the NHL or going to these leagues. But what we can do is kind of create similar paths and try to project trends of, you know, if kids are lighting it up in Italy. They might be ranked up in the top 50 worldwide. That could be international students, right? So, yeah. and then on top of that, these, using that data as well, we can project roster spot availability, right? So if a kid is interested yeah. and has the grades, which is huge, and we can kind of get into that as well, it for opens sure. up a lot of doors for Division One, Division Three, ACHA, and again, the financial situation. But now it gives them roster spot availability and, you know, a path to that um, and yeah. a way to communicate directly with these teams over there. So hopefully what we're trying to do is grow the game in that sense and, uh, you know, yeah. be able to provide a resource for people to kind of look to see other options rather than just the status quo and, you know, what kind of has been the status sure. quo. So. No, it sounds exactly what, like, they need over here. Because there, yeah. are, there are good players, man. Like, well, here's the situation. Players. Here's the situation. You have a good guy, right? So they're a couple good kids and they're interested and they can financially go. And, you know, if there's scholarship opportunities, great. If they were signed up with our platform, they could come to you and you could work with them on there, figure out a good landscape. You have a really good idea of all the junior leagues and, you know, the NCAA route. So just yeah. from your knowledge and sitting down with them, going through their accounts to kind of figure out what a good connection would be. And then again, you just have to figure out who one or two degrees of connection away from to reach out and make that connection right yeah for sure well, it would help you out in a yeah. way so totally no that's awesome so yeah let's, let's dive right back into uh kind of a little background on yourself and you know you obviously grew up in like i said the great town of kimberly british columbia um yeah. and then i was so i was going through some of that is that where you met tater and then were you in grade 11 when you started playing for your first year of juniors so i met tater in lethbridge actually okay. um Sean Stead at Crash. Um, oh, that's when you guys first connected. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, when he ended up coming to Kimberly, that was why it was, you know, so easy to be like, hey, live, live with us. Because <laughs> we knew what, what a great kid he was and, you know, good family. And, yeah. You know, there was no question. Um, yeah. I started uh, going to Lethbridge because of Banksy, obviously, played for the Hurricanes and then started going to Crash there. And, um, I think we, I think we went and saw um, Sean Stead at Crash with uh, the sports school in Kimberley with Jerry Banks, and then uh, for two or three summers, I think I started going there. Awesome, yeah. So that's where we had met too, right? And I think we trained yeah. for a couple of years. Um, you're a couple yeah. years younger than I was, but um, yeah, that that's going back to to Stedder again. Every episode, we always talk about him and you know his connection to everyone. It's it's great. No kidding. Right. So so you uh, you're in, you're in Kimberly. Uh, what's like the, the landscape versus like midget versus that junior B league, the KI? Um, was that like what was that decision like for you? Well, we played. Uh, I played one year midget. It would have been my 15 year old year. We played in. Uh, I played in Cranbrook which I think would have been the uh, South Central Alberta Hockey League 
part of that. Okay. Same as same as Bantam. We would have played against, you know, Lethbridge and Yeah. Oh god, who else would have been in there? Medicine Hat. Uh, I don't even is that league still is it still the SCHL or South Central Alberta Hockey League? I I'm trying to think too, because like in Pee Wee that was the league. And then in, in Bantam, I think as well. So U15, but they've changed and restructured all those leagues to now U15, right. U16 kind of thing. So right. it is hard okay. to like so figure I think, out. Yeah. I think my first year midget still would have been the SCHL. Okay. Um, so I would have played in Cranbrook. Um, yeah, in that league. And then uh, when I was 16, I would have moved on to the Dynamiters. Yeah, the Dynamiters. Yeah. So that yeah. must have been an awesome experience being able to, you know, play in your hometown in an awesome league. And still in high school, you must have been a hometown star at that point. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, in our in our first year, we uh, we hosted the Cyclone Taylor. Okay. So we, you know, we were guaranteed to be in the, in the championship. Yeah. Um, and we had a a great coach, uh, Scott Beatty. Uh, he's coached Kootenai Ice too, and he's coached in Europe. Uh, you know, NLA, NLB, Germany. Yeah everywhere so he was my coach when I was 16 and uh, introduced me to to the junior hockey life and we had a great team um, I can you know some of the guys just haven't thought about him in, yeah. in years but now just bringing it up uh, you know it brings a smile to my face it was it was a lot of fun no that's incredible and that's what junior is right to leave that lasting impression on yourself for the, for the rest of your life and you yeah. don't you don't get to see those guys every day but it's something that's it really stays at the forefront of your mind so it must have been awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so no, at great. that point, at that point, then you must have realized that you know hockey is going to be a path that you want to want to pursue. Um, what was your thoughts then on going to the BCHL versus the AJHL or SJHL? Was what was that uh, decision like for you? Uh, so, yeah. So after my 16 year old year um, in Kimberley, I got listed by uh, the Lesbridge Hurricanes. Okay. So awesome. went to camp, 17 uh, year old year. And they offered me uh, exhibition games, right? But that, yeah. um, you bait, know, that, yeah. old, that old trick, hey? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to have, a, you know, a couple of people uh, kind of in my corner smart enough to know that, you know, that's all they're trying to do is just trying to get you, get you games. And uh, you throw away your eligibility if you do that. So, um, I was pretty bummed out actually after that, uh, but went back to Kimberly. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, even talk to junior A teams because I, you know, I was set on making Lethbridge, you know. So did you get cut then or what, what happened? Or you just, they, yeah, what they said, yeah, we'd like to stick around for exhibition games. And I said, if you, you know, if you can't guarantee, really guarantee me that I'm staying past the exhibition games, I don't want to. And they said, okay, like, uh, hopefully you know, see you next year. Well, I, that's it's a good thing that you brought that up because at 17, like you said, if they dangle that in front of you. It's like, fuck, it's a good opportunity. But if For sure. you're 17, right, there could be other yeah. options. So, Yeah. No, yeah. Like I said, I was lucky enough to have, you know, yeah. you know my dad and Jerry Banks and, you know, some guys who knew. Just uh, be sure to go down that road if you want to go. And I mean, you would exactly. Uh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure you would have had good success in the WHL as well. It's just. Yeah fast forward in, in 2020 hindsight the career right now yeah totally i mean i'll keep that keep that door open yeah don't just throw it away for an exhibition game um so yeah i went back to kimberly um as a 17 year old had a pretty big year um 
and talk to Penticton, my Penticton bees. Yeah. Sorry, I just lost power. No worries. That was power so- outage in, in Italy here. <laughs> That's that's kind of like a little bit daunting too. Like, hopefully the military didn't just gas the. Yeah, Jesus. Does that happen uh, often? Uh, yeah, in our apartment Bear building, down. it does. You know, we yeah. start to <laughs> we get cooking. We throw the oven on the stove on at the same time, and we're <laughs> in trouble. Yeah, the whole neighborhood shut down. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Where was I? Um, yeah. So tell, I was talking to the Penticton bees and. Yep. I had two two friends uh, from Kimberly, Sam Meller and Scott Jacklin, who were going to the Smoke Eaters Trail. Yep. And I decided to go with my friends to trail. There we go. And, um, you know, again, looking back, maybe not the right decision, but, you know, I had a, a fun year in trail. Yeah. Um, playing with some buddies and didn't have the greatest year, but uh, that's when I – started talking to Ryan Papuano. Um, I knew, I knew him from, from playing summer and spring hockey with the Foothills elite in Calgary. So he, you know, offered to, or told me that he wanted me and what was going to trade for me. So the summer after uh, my year in, in trail, uh, he traded for me and that's how I ended up in Brooks. Oh, that's awesome. Was he a new coach then at that point? Because when did he start coaching in Brooks? Yeah, so my seven, eight, sorry, 18 year old year uh, when I was in trail, he was assistant coach in Brooks. And then during that summer, yeah, uh, he took over and traded for me. Hell yeah. So I brought you up to Alberta and you know, a little bit closer to Lethbridge, I guess, and have that connection. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, some guys like Brett Howe, uh, yeah. you know, he was, he was the captain in uh in brooks my first year and and uh, dj mcdougall and you know a bunch of these guys that i kind of knew um through through guys in lethbridge and uh you know it was it was awesome in brooks was skog playing on the team no not that year um and let's see i I got traded for uh cullen bradshaw so he went to trail and i went to brooks yeah. So when you came, team. Well, I was pulling it up here too. When you came to uh, to Brooks, I mean, obviously going from BCHL to the Alberta League, um, you said I was looking at your stats there, and you had a little bit of success in trail, but then you come out to Alberta, and it's just like you're putting up huge numbers. Um, yeah. Was was there? What was your kind of perspective of that transition? And was it just kind of you fell into your game, and now you're clicking, kind of thing? Yeah, an opportunity, man. I mean, Paps gave me every opportunity to to succeed in brooks like the the ice time the yeah just everything you know he was he he told me when he traded for me he he brought me in and he wanted me me to be the guy and you know he gave me a like i said every opportunity to be able to to do that and you know i got to play with uh riley simpson who was you know just a little water bug on the ice at that time like god that kid could fly where did he go play uh, Ohio State as a State. true freshman. Sweet. So that must yeah. have been an awesome experience then, because were you were you talking to NCAA schools out in BC versus then when you come to the AJ and it's now the. Oh, the I didn't. I didn't talk to one one school my eighteen no. year old year in trail, and I only talked to one school my nineteen year old year 
uh, in Brooks, and they it was uh, Lake Superior State, and they yeah. wanted me to come that following year, like my twenty year old year. Interesting. What yeah. was your What was your thoughts at that point? Because again, dangle that little treat in front of you, some some people oh, might bite on it, right? So for sure, and you know, and that's what I was thinking too. Like I haven't heard from another school. Like, you know, yeah. is this is this my is this my only shot? Um, but again, you know, talking to Pops and. He just said, you know, come back, have another big year. Yeah. He's like, you'll have you'll have time of options. And I trusted him. You know, he he gave me no other reason not to trust him. He he said he's gonna bring me in and give me all this ice time and you know, he's gonna rebuild the team and he did. Like we had a such a cool group of guys in Brooks that year. Um <laughs> I don't know if you know the name Ian Harvey, but No. He uh Pat said like we need we need a a glue guy, like a dressing room guy. Yeah. And uh, Harv had played with uh, Tater and I and Kimberly one year, and I think he went over to Switzerland or something as like uh, to play juniors and then came back. And, you know, I never played junior A and was a 20-year-old year. Yeah. Or 20-year-old, you know, rookie. But <laughs> he'd make our team close. Like it was still one of the closest teams I ever played on. That's incredible. It sounds like Paps really understood how to build a team and what you know the, instru- like the instrumental pieces of that team are. Because a glue sure. guy is and definitely necessary, but you know you don't necessarily go out and look for the glue guy unless you know what you're doing, kind of thing. Yeah, and like a you know a 20 year old who's you know not going to play a ton. Yeah, but uh, you know Paps was was young at the time too, right? I think he was 27 or something when he took over. Yeah, early in his career. He, yeah, so he's, you know, still obviously understood the dressing room quite well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very valid point as well. Yeah. Um, so that year you guys had some pretty good success. And, you know, I'm sure that first stretch of the first regular season games, preseason to regular season, when the scout or the recruiting period opens up for NCAA, was that yeah. when now you're starting to get a few more options? And, um, you know, what was that experience like? And I do have a couple of extra questions throughout that. So, yeah. Um, so you mean my 20 year old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys win uh, AJ, I think. Yeah, yeah. So we were, um, yeah, we were coming in on the what do you call it? The showcase weekend. Yeah, right, where you go and play a, a tournament. I think it was in Fort Mac or fuck Long Hall for you guys, Sherwood Park or yeah, something, something like that. But um, the weekend before Union. Uh, had their assistant coach Joe Dume had came and visited in Brooks, and um, you know I I heard of Union, yeah. um, weirdly through a kid from Kimberly who had went there years before, um, yeah. but didn't know a ton about the school and uh, you know I was thinking I wanted a bigger school like look at the kind of year I'm having and you know but they were. In the Ivy League, yeah, Ivy League, and you know, a great academic school. Um, that year, that year would end up going to the Frozen Four for the first year. For um, your first year, no, the year before. Oh, like twenty year old year. Okay. They yeah, yeah. they went to the Frozen Four. Um, so, you know, it was like piquing my interest after knowing nothing about them really. Uh, my parents were big on a big academic school too. They're both, you know, in the school system. So 
Uh, that that weighed heavily too. Um, yeah, and, and they, of, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And you know, they may union kind of gave me a deadline. Uh, I needed to make a decision before the showcase. Yeah. Um, which which was tough, you know. Like all these schools are going to be at this showcase. You know, I'm having a pretty good year. It's my 20 year old year, but I have this offer. You know, yeah, that, that's here and something that I know is good so that was a, a tough decision but again like you know looking back great absolutely great. made the right right decision you know for sure and I'm, I'm glad that you brought your parents up I didn't realize they're into the academic world but mm-hmm. I had an experience with union too to the point where he asked me what my grades were and I told him you know confidently like oh, I could see kind of like the 60 70 range and they could just see in his eyes like oh fuck he's not gonna get in <laughs> right but like yeah. going back to my high school days and I kind of what maybe get your perspective on this. It's like, if you can set yourself up academically for to get into any school or put yourself in that high percentile, when you get into the junior levels, when those schools come to talk to you, it's now, okay, well I can maybe get into all these schools versus if you're in the bottom half of that, you might, you know, have one or two schools looking at you. So it's about setting yourself up for success. So what was your academic experience like? And, um, you know, how many times did you write your SAT and what were there junior, were the junior programs helping you, um, with resources to study for SAT and that kind of stuff? Totally. Like, uh, you know, Brooks and Paps were like, were great. I mean, even if you look at now, like the way that program's gone, I mean, unreal 80 percent of those kids are going d1 yep. um but it was at the start uh when he was just kind of starting out and building building the the franchise i guess um but he was you know he would pay for for school as long as you would pass with good marks sweet uh, uh, so being uh yeah well being an overager right 21 and juniors i had to be right. uh, taking classes so he would, you know, he said the organization would pay as long as I stay on top of them and do, do well in school. Yeah. Uh, and same with, you know, high school, it was kind of always expected, I guess. Um, like I said, my parents, my dad was a administrator, was a principal and yeah, my elementary sure. school, my middle school, my high school, you know, he kept fucking moving up with me. Yeah. You just, um, you just thrive in gym class. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not so much math, but yeah, no, that's awesome. So no, you, but, I yeah, mean, but... it, it, in hindsight, like it, you know, I, if he didn't put that, not pressure, but uh, you know, fire under my ass and, you know, my mom being with the school district too. And my sisters both being smart in school. It was like, you know, I never knew, going actually when I was in school that it would help out, but, you Mm -hmm. know, getting a scholarship, (laughs) you know, to union, it was like, okay, that, you know, that paid off. Yeah, no, absolutely. Cause union is, like you said, part of the the Ivy league athletically, but it's up there with, you know, the, the academics as well. Yeah. They like to say that they hold themselves to Ivy league standards. Yeah, which is yeah, I, I like I like saying that too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to carry that with you. No, that's, yeah. so that's great. So before the showcase, now you make that decision, and did you fly down during that early part of the year to go check the school out? Was that part of your, I guess, negotiation tactic? I no, because it was you know my decision had to be made so quick. I didn't do a fly down until I was already committed. 
Sweet. So then, I went down uh, at their Christmas break. Um, so Union is trimester. So in between Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, there's nobody on campus. They have seven weeks off because that's the end of the first term. And then they don't yeah. start the second term until after New Year's. So just the hockey teams, the women's and men's hockey teams are on campus. And that's when I did my fly down. Oh, really? Yeah. So I kept you out of trouble, I think. Out. Yeah, no, for sure. But yeah, I just hung out with the guys and, you know, we did, we played some sort of like capture the flag campus wide and, you know, it was fun. It was cool. I still got to see the school and meet all the guys and the coaches and, but that's not your typical, uh, you know, university fly down stories. Yeah, no shit. Eh? Uh, did you, were you able to see any games? No. No games? No, I don't game. even, I don't even think I got to see a practice. Oh, really? Yeah. Hey? yeah, I think it was like two or three days and they were off. Yeah. So yeah. what uh, What kind of sold you, I guess, on going to Union? Was it the academic uh, route and just, you know, being having a little bit of success knowing that, they made the NCAA tournament and then, you know, going the next few years, you, you guys had a really good shot. Yeah. I mean, it was knowing uh, some of the guys, um, not personally, I knew one guy personally, but uh, you know, some of the names of the other guys on the team and, you know, talking to the coaches and just the direction that they wanted to go. And obviously the academics came into it too. Um, yeah. So, you know, even, after the showcase and talking to Paps and some of the teams that would have been interested, it's, you know, I, I was happy and, uh, you know, sold on my, on my decision. On your decision. Yeah. So the following yeah. year you show up first game is against Merrimack. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I think first you guys game. smoked Merrimack that year, but, or no, you lost four to one. We, yeah. So that would, that would have been the following year that I graduated. Yeah. To go. Um, but then, so, what's up? yeah, so you wouldn't have been there. No, I, I graduated in 2012. So I think that following season is when, uh, 2012, 2013, uh, your first years is that, I guess, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty awesome. And then, so what was there, your uh, perspective of your first year and going into it, you like tons of points in the AJ, would you think it was going to translate into the NCAA kind of thing? Or what was your thoughts getting I, into that? I did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like uh, two pretty big years and they, that's what they recruited me as, or that's what I thought, you know, it'd be, yeah. to be a goal scorer. So I, you know, when I came in and I was on the third line and not playing that much, um, you know, I think, I think I played first 10 or so games maybe I had two points or something, not a goal. And then uh, I got healthy scratched and had a, a meeting with my coach. And he just said like, what are you going to do to be able to, to play? Like yeah. you see our team, what are you going to be able to do to play? So I, you know, kind of had to re revamp my game and, mm -hmm. you know, started to become an energy guy and just went out and hit everything I could. And that, you know, that started to translate into getting more points. And then, you know, I moved, started moving up lines. Yeah. Um, but just kept that, you know, that mentality, that style of play. And yeah, I think, you know, continued with me, but that yeah. freshman year, I mean, 
that completely changed the kind of player I was. It's a pivotal year for sure. It's a transition year that, you know, you go from playing 70 something games and the AJ win a championship to now you're practicing to play, right? You want to make that oh, start yeah. the, the weekend lineup. So those Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday practices are an absolute grind. And, you know, that's, yeah. if you can produce in there, that doesn't necessarily translate into the, to the NCAA because now it's a, a whole sure. different type of game. And, you know, like you said, it's a, a more, it can be a more physical game and it calls for that and different roles on the team. And if you saw an opportunity there, that's what you needed to do. You know, that's a good transition and it obviously led to some success down the road. Yeah. No, I, I love college hockey. Like the, the, you know, the, the compete and practice, the, how important every single game is. It like, you know, it was so cool. And for me coming from junior where, Brooks, especially where, you know, Paps kind of gave me a lot of leeway. I could, I could cheat offensively. I could, you know, do that sort of stuff where, you know, in college as a freshman, if you take one second of a shift off, like in practice, you know, you're you're not playing. No, absolutely. So what was your uh, transition academically into union? Was it something that was pretty easy for you or? Oh no, it was, it was tough. Like I said, I was, oh, I would have been out of high school for two, two years, I guess yeah, at that point. Years. And I imagine going into union, like that freshman year, they're trying to set the tone for you. Right. So it's, you know, it's going to be sure. short, all that shit, but it could be, probably be a lot for a kid that has been out of school for a couple of years. And this was a whole new experience now on the East coast. Totally. Like I was, you know, um, well, we were in dorms, which was, you know, nice. fine for me. But uh, I was with another kid who was – he would have been – I think he would have been a true freshman. So, you know, he's right out of first year away from home. And, yeah, <laughs> you know, here I am, a 21-year-old. You know? <laughs> so that was different, but it was great. I mean, he's one of my best friends now. But getting back into the whole routine of school was was tough for me, for sure. And yeah, uh, I struggled my first term. Like I, I wouldn't be academic preparation, but it was uh, study hall. I was yeah. I was a regular in study hall, team mandated study hall. Yeah, I remember uh, I had those. Oh yeah, but you know it ended up being good for me. Um, changed my major a couple times. Took me took me a year year and a half, I guess, to figure out what what path I wanted to go down. Did you and what, settle on a history major? I did, yeah. Yeah. What was yeah? So uh, what led you to that? Uh, writing. Writing. I was way more comfortable writing. I would write, you know, fifty pages over taking one test. Really? Hey. Yeah. It was. I yeah. I just found writing for me was was much easier and uh, way less stressful than than any of the test oriented subjects. So the uh, presentation you know, kinda, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I had a phenomenal advisor who <laughs> with not for her, I probably wouldn't have graduated. It's important to have those people that, you know, really want to inspire you academically because I, if I could go redo it, I would have probably got into something different, maybe some of the STEM program or something like that. But really you're out two years out of high school. You don't know what you really want to do but you can go to school and hopefully have some good opportunities and have people that can guide you down the right path. You know, at least want to provide that value for you. So. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I found out like they, you know, in history, the class sizes, you know, you're 12 to 
20 students. Yeah. Which is like, you, you know, they, they are paying attention to you. They know you. Yeah, for sure. And I just, you know, I just felt like I needed that. I can't, I can't be somebody in a seminar who's, you know, just following a PowerPoint. I, you know, that's not me. <laughs> chewing tobacco, sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the computer and I'm yeah, no finding some sort of game to play. No, that's awesome. So what was the focus of, of history? Was it U.S. history? Was it worldwide history? What What is that? Uh, Aboriginal. Awesome. Yeah. So I, or I guess Africana, they would call it in the States, but I, yep. I focused and wrote my thesis on, uh, on yeah, the Aboriginals in, in Canada and tied it into hockey and lacrosse. And so what, that was uh, my, that was my senior project. Well, that's, I want to maybe get a copy of that and read some of it because it is fascinating no, history for one. Uh, what, were, is there anything that you kind of sticks out in your mind that you think is pretty cool even to this day? Um, well, some of the hockey players, uh, you know, some of the first Aboriginals in the NHL stick out to me, but the, the yeah. residential schools, man, like how fuck those were, is just yeah, like mind boggling. And like how, how late some of them were open to is, is just crazy. Right. It's, it, it, if the communication worked the way it does nowadays, like none of that would ever happen. Right. I feel like a lot of that was just no. behind closed doors. It's so unfortunate. Like you said, to the sixties, this is going on. Right. Totally. So, and like the, the Aboriginals have some of the coolest history ever. And it's like a long yeah. lost civilization that you can kind of tie into. Right. So if you disrupt that and generationally, you know, stop that, those um, traditional oral traditions, et cetera, it's just going to go into abyss. Yeah. That's all, that's, and that, was like, that was probably the coolest, um, you know, the main thing that sticks out for me in my four years of schooling too, is was my, you know, my senior thesis where, you know, I'm, I'm doing all the research and like I said, my advisor was, you know, amazing and helped me out with it and everything, but like, it was like the best experience I had learning. For sure. That sounds awesome. I'm glad you're able to yeah. get into that program as well. And yeah. Not just go off of what the other guys on the team were doing. I'm sure there's yeah. a concentration of, you know, 70% of guys doing business, et cetera. But if you can find yeah, something awesome. that you like and make, make it worth, you know, going to class and, you know, really trying to learn how to learn is, is awesome. Yeah, instead of just going to school to go to school, actually, yeah. like, you know, be be engaged in it was was something new to me and, uh, yeah, something really cool. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, obviously, you get that first year under your belt. Uh, going back, it's now you have a kind of a new perspective on what you need to go to do in the, in the off season, heading into the first uh, little bit of the first regular season. Uh, what was the difference between your game – between the first and second year when you guys won the national championship. And let's kind of relive that, that experience. Cause I mean, looking at some of the teams you, you beat, it's pretty incredible. And you guys knocked off Boston college twice. So, you know, Johnny yeah. Joe doesn't have I don't know, three national championships. So you guys really, you know, earned, earned what you guys got. And, you know, like I said, beat some pretty heavy teams. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I mean, that's a special year. I, you know, give me some time. I could go through every, every single game. I think that year, uh, but yeah. what sticks out, um, obviously, was a big – we had a – I guess you'd call it – in college hockey, it was a brawl. Yeah. Um, but it was a, a bench-clearing skirmish with uh, our RPI uh, at the Mayor's Cup in, in Albany. And, you know, our coach got a lot of heat for it and some players got suspended. And, 
you know, I think we all came together after that. And I think that was, no, that wasn't the time. What caused the bench brawl? Uh, so we were, we didn't, we didn't lose a lot that, that year. And uh, yeah. we were, it was pretty evident we were going to lose that game. And uh, it was the last draw, I think. And one, uh, we wanted out to our, our D-man, Matt Bodie, he was our captain. And some guy was was going out to the point. And I don't know what Bodes was thinking, if this guy, if he thought this guy was going to hit him, but Bodes got his stick up, you know, yeah. right in his face. And and then a bunch of, you know, it could have been a lot of interpretations of, you know, they were going on the ice to celebrate. and But... You know, they were all jumping on the ice. So we all jumped on the ice and, you know, the video is pretty funny. You can see our coach going at it and their oh, yeah. coach and, oh yeah. And some guys, you know, actually, actually fighting in college and, you know, after that our coach got suspended and uh, assistant coach took over for two or three games, I think. And, uh, I think we lost. Oh, God. You guys are going to kill me. Uh, was this in November? Was this in November? That you guys no, were? January. January. And I, I don't know. 2-1 to RPI? Yeah. And then did we have losses after that? Uh, you lost to St. Lawrence after that 2-1 to one as well. The following weekend. And then you guys went on uh, – yeah. Uh, you guys so basically was, uh, won out except for one Colgate tie. One Colgate. So, yeah, it was uh, our assistant coach took over, and that it was like uh, I can't exactly remember what happened in, in St. Lawrence, but I just remember like after that, it was, you know, just a feeling around the dressing room. Like, <laughs> I don't think we're going to lose again. Really? Hey, like, just... yeah, oh, it was, yeah, it was crazy. And like, I think you could ask any guy on that team. It was like, we just got to this point where like we had been through so much shit, um, you know, as a, as a team, I, you know, our coaches getting suspended out, just little things, but they all added up. And it was like, we, it got to that point where it was like, we are, we are solid. Like we are, we're going to make a run. For sure. Do you think having that coach kind of go to bat for you guys solidified and define that moment for you? You, you know, if you're the leader of the team is going, and doing that kind of stuff that you know shows and signals the rest of the team that you know we're all on board and we're all going for, for you know yeah leading or him leading us to the promise line. Hundred percent. Like he he said, like I regret you know kind of what happened. Yeah. But he's like, I would do it like ten times, ten times over. Like if if any coach, anybody is talking to my player, like I'm gonna get in there. And he's like, and I. He's like, I had to apologize to the organization, to alumni, to everybody. He's like, but I would fucking do that again for you guys. And, you know, I was kind of there like, all right, like you're out for these games. We'll do what we can and then we're, and then we're good to go. I mean, it's an incredibly powerful thing to see. Looking back and now we can see it, but it seems like a very common theme with championship teams, right? If something happens throughout the year. A, a belief all of a sudden starts happening throughout the a common belief throughout the team. And, you know, back early in January and you come back from that 
get into those games, now you get get on get the ball rolling. And you yeah. know, obviously you guys I think finished ten in a row. Uh, but the momentum probably just goes, gets bigger and bigger. And also your goalie's having some insane numbers and shutting guys, shutting teams out, right? So that just adds sure. to it. And then that weekend, those weekend series in, in NCAA, it's a playoff season or series every every weekend, right? So if yeah. you start winning those two games, it's like, fuck, you, you definitely have to have some belief in yourself. For sure. And you know, like all the other teams, they're like, you, you know, in college, you're watching what every other team's doing. 100%. Because it's not like there's games Mondays, Wednesdays, like – it's weekends. You yeah. know what every other team's doing. And you're like, you know, team sauce. They're like, these guys are, you know, these guys are on a roll right now. Yeah. Climbing the ranks had, up, getting ranked higher sure. and higher each weekend. Yeah. For sure. And, oh, you know, yeah. we had, you know, Matt Bodie and, you know, Ghost, Shane Gossespierre was just yeah. gross. And, uh, you know, Dan Carr and, you know, we had Mike Vecchioni. We had these guys who were like studs. Plus that, we had, you know, these, these seniors, like fourth line seniors who would, you know, just relished in their role of, you know, blocking shots. Like, you know, we have eating burgers is what they call them. And like, I go, oh, we're hungry tonight. You know, we had these guys who just like loved that role. And it was, uh, it was you know, it was special. That's, again, I think that goaltending and having those character guys and role guys is what, leads into a championship team and you know with the yeah. dynamics of a college roster that's where those guys are battling the guys that are, are sitting out every night right so it's but then the guys that are sitting out are supporting the guys that did make the make the roster right so it's it's yeah, awesome to sure. see and the tight team dynamics must have been incredible oh yeah like it was it was so fun so fun to be around so fun to be a part of yeah um you know still is like we you know we have fantasy fantasy football groups with you know guys from that team and it's it's just crazy how teams like that and you could say that the teams that win are the closest or the closest teams win but like they go hand in hand for sure yeah it must have been pretty awesome to see some of those guys go on uh continue their career to see where they are like what, what you said with ghosts like he was setting i was looking at some of the things he had the four ot winners in a season which is unheard of as a as a yeah. defenseman, right? So it's like, fuck, how do you do that? And then the longest streak for a defenseman in 20 years for points, 15 yeah. games. It's like, you know, you played with those guys and helped develop them as players and people, um, and then they go their own way and have success, right? So it really is probably pretty awesome for you to see that, um, you know, years later. Yeah, it was, it, it's super cool to, to still see these guys playing and, you know, what they're doing. And uh, I know we will get to the national championship game, but, yeah. Just ghost playing in Philly, you know we won yeah. seven four. He was plus seven with eleven shots, a goal and two assists. Like it was just like, all right, this guy's ready to leave. Was he drafted to the Flyers? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that must have been a pretty cool experience for him, and a good way to yeah. show the Philly fans what what he's made of. So yeah, for sure. Um. So yeah, let's let's kind of get into that playoff run. So you guys beat Dartmouth. Um, in the ECAC first round, I think. And then it goes into one single yeah. game eliminations. And um, you guys really didn't yeah. – And uh, there wasn't many ga games that kind of looked like you guys were out of it, I guess. No, like we uh, – Oh, uh, Yeah, we would have played – got a bye the first yeah. playoff series, and then we would have played Dartmouth, and then we would have gone to the ECAC tournament. I think it would have been in Lake Placid that year. Yeah, Cornell. Yeah, 
Cornell. And then uh, that would have been semifinals. It must have been, yeah, because then Colgate was the ECAC game. Colgate, yeah. So that was – and we won uh, ECAC my freshman year too. So that was our – that was the the organization's third year winning the ECAC in a row. Okay. I, I got to update yeah. my intro there. I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, again, won the ECAC and then we would have – Oh my God! Who did we? So then, yeah. Providence. No, so then you guys go into a little streak against Hockey East, where uh, Vermont you play Vermont, Vermont, and then Providence, who it should be flying at that point because they're good when we were in, in playing, um, and I think they're they were the good. Following year, they won the championship, but yeah, you yeah, go Vermont. Unions, uh, unions ex ex coach Nate Lehman would have been at Providence at that time. Okay, yeah, he turned out so to be a some stud. of the guys that. Uh, that were on our team and that he cr- recruited uh, would have been on our team. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So then come play Boston college again. And I, yeah. I was looking at the box score. I think Goudreau had the first one, but then you guys just went on like a four, one rip, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I remember it was, there was like, you know, 10 seconds left in the game and we're like, okay, we got this. Yeah, and Goudreau goes forward on the center draw and goes in between the D and gets like, like our goalie <laughs> made this glove save with like a second laugh, and it was like, holy fuck, really? Just, yeah. Like, yeah, like he, oh man, like that guy on his edges. I've I've never been seen anything like it on the ice, like live. It was, it was insane. To, yeah, to play against that guy, it was crazy. Oh yeah, you could have him lined up and. You know, that was my role is to try to, you know, shut these guys down. I'm playing against him and Arnold. Like, you know, and, and I thought I have him lined up. Yeah, yeah, he's – I think you have him lined up and you just look behind you and he's still got the puck somehow. Yeah, right. You, like, look between your feet and it's gone. Yeah. Oh, that's that's huge for your goalie to, to be able to make that save because I would have put it into OT, I think. But Yeah, I would have right. tied it up. And, you know, we all thought, all right, we're going to the, we're going to the national championship. I mean, you know, there was seven seconds left or something. It's kind of like still got, still got a chance, right? You're so excited for it, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, thank fucking god that he stopped that yeah, puck. That was right? close because you know they would have been on fire going into OT. Oh yeah, they scored right. you know a couple seconds left to go in OT. They have all yeah, team they, is just deflated. They have all the momentum for sure. So have you guys played any like I guess not too many. Oh, you played New Hampshire earlier in the year, but like out of conference games against. Hockey East or um, the WCHA? Not, not really, hey? Yeah, no, not many. I mean, we played a couple tournaments. Um, but, yeah, not not many. And we, you know, had a good – well, we had a good record all year, but we, you know, we were confident against those teams, even seeing them, mm-hmm. that, them in Minnesota, you know, ranked up, up high, NODAC, teams like that. Like, we were – you know, never wavered. Like we were, we were confident. I don't, I wouldn't say uh, we were a little cocky, but more like confident. Like we were, you know, we were good going, going up against anybody that year. Yeah. It didn't really fucking matter. Especially once you get to those rankings, it's like, okay, well, we're here for a reason, right? And we can continue to build on it. Then yeah, we're here to play. So going into those games, it's yeah, a little bit daunting if you're playing 
everyone talks about BC is like powerhouse. They are, but like it's your perception going into the game. If you know you're going to have a good chance, then fuck, who knows what happened, yeah. right? And we and knew then, like we were, you know, like a harder, a harder team than them. Like, yeah, they had, fuck, I don't know how many first rounders and we had, you know, one draft pick and it was ghost. Yeah. But, but we had like so many, you know, energy guys and character guys that, you know, like they were like, Oh fuck. Like, bring on the first rounder. Like, I'll, you know, I'll work them in the corner. It was, you know, it it was like almost more exciting to go against them. Yeah. You wonder why the team signed them instead of you when you're the one fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about the national championship game. You have seven, four, the high scoring game. And you know, a lot of that happened in the first 20 minutes. Uh, what was yeah, the, it was, was it a roller coaster of a ride for you guys? Oh man, yeah, like back and forth. Like they they went up two nothing, and then like three one, I think, and then yeah, it, it was crazy. Like it was such a weird game. I don't think I think everyone's emotions, like both sides, yeah, were just like it never settled down, even till you yeah. know right at the end. Like it was. <laughs> It was a roller coaster of a game, a roller coaster of emotions. It was, it was so cool. Like I could, you know, I, I don't, I can remember specific plays, but you know, for the for the week after that game, I had no idea what happened. Yeah, you gotta relive that. You know? Yeah, not just because I was drinking for the week, but just like don't be excited. Just, oh yeah. What was it? What was the thought in your mind when that buzzer finally rang and you're like, you know, he, he, we did it. Uh, you know, I st- I still don't even know. Like it, I see like pictures of the celebration on ice, and it like I can't go back. Like I, it is just a blank of just. I remember being in the dressing room after, and you know, singing "We Are the Champions" and like you know, little things like that. But yeah, when that buzzer rang, I I remember a, the one thing I do remember is I was on the ice with five seconds, like I jumped over the boards and there were still five seconds on the clock. Like oh. I didn't give a shit. Like I'm going. Yeah. No, hell yeah. Cause I'm sure at that point, it, you didn't even really think about yourself. You're like, fuck it. These guys won the national championship, right? Like my teammates, like so happy yeah. for them and that whole sure. it's reciprocated throughout the team. So totally. And it was, it was pretty cool too. We had North Dakota fans cheering for us you know yeah. bc fans cheering for us it was like everybody against minnesota so it was like it was super cool yeah for sure you guys would kind of be i guess the uh, the, the hometown yeah. team coming from schenectady which be a few yeah, hours and they but. also like you know classified us as the underdog i guess you know union would be but yeah i think that year i don't think anyone could call us an underdog but they still were for sure yeah that's man it's just an incredible thing and it's awesome to see the guys that go on to become champions and win like Malcolm, yeah. you know, with Yale. It's, yeah. You know, it's crazy to see playing midget triple with him. And then, you know, you don't really hear from him for a few years. Next thing you know, he's winning a national championship. It's like, there's a lot of good talent that has come from Western Canada that, especially as totally. the NCAA Avenue it provides another way to get to the professional leagues. And it's a really good way to do it. And, you know, it's, it's kind of growing out here. Um, so it's it's awesome yeah. to hear and highlight stories like yourself where you come from small town Kimberly, but you know, next thing you know, you're hoisting the trophy and it's connected to New York. Yeah. Right. So yeah, no, I, I mean it, yeah, like I said, if looking back, like I wouldn't I wouldn't change a thing. Like hell yeah. The whole recruiting process, everything. 
Yeah, no, it's, it is incredible. And it's, it's awesome that you went through that and you could have that experience. Cause I know in the future, you'll be able to provide some, let's call it actionable insight back to, you know, people that will have questions and coaches in, in Europe that have questions, right? All this experience yeah. that you're building up is providing a huge amount of value to the next generation of people that are coaching and playing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what, uh, what's on the horizon for you? Like you got a few, probably a few more years to stay healthy for uh, playing professional and you know, what's something is maple syrup farm something that's in, in the future for, for the Wilkes fam? Uh, well, that's, you know, that's something that's been, you know, my grandfather did and my, yeah. my parents do. And, you know, every, if it works out where every March I can get out, out to the farm and do some maple syrup, I'd love to, but, um, you know, last year it just worked out because of yeah. like COVID, right? I wouldn't be home that early. I haven't been done that early ever. So it was my first time. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to keep playing as long as as long as the body, you For know, sure. holds up. Um, it's a pretty cool uh, way of life. Um, you know, I'm lucky that my fiance loves it too. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a great way to see the world and play hockey and, you know, earn a living. Yeah. Um, meet some pretty incredible people and do some, do some amazing things. So as long as I, uh, you know, keep going and, or can keep going and, you know, I'm able to, then uh, I think I will. For sure. Yeah. And it's, well, like I said, what you're doing and the experiences that you're getting personally and being able to grow every day and just get better, not have to worry necessarily about what's next, because just with what you've done in your past, you know, that whatever you do next will hopefully trump the things you've done before. So, you know, whatever yeah. it is on the horizon for you, it's, it can be scary sometimes to think about, but I know that if you take it day by day, you'll, you'll do just fine. For sure. And like uh, you would know too, like it's, it's a lot easier to, to kind of stretch things on when you have that, you know, degree to fall back on. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. It um, is nice. I'm a bit reassuring for you as well. For sure. So I don't have to, you know, worry about when I'm done then I got to, you know, spend three years or four years or whatever it is, you know, getting a degree before I can get a job. Like, you know, hopefully there's, there's something in the world of hockey that, you know, maybe I would, I would like to continue, but like you said, I, until then, uh, you know, I, as of now, I'm just going to keep going and keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah, for sure. And from my experience, um, and if I can add value on your life, it's, you know, going into the professional, I didn't play professional afterwards, but I, a lot of guys did. And I get the sense that a lot of them get to a point where they're like, okay, well, when do I quit? You know, what, at what point do I go into another career? Will I be able to get into another career? It's like, absolutely. The per type of person you become while you're playing, you develop these skills where an organization would, or if you want to venture on your own afterwards, they would love to have you, right? And you've, with yeah. your education, especially, there's gonna be a lot of opportunity uh, to help in this indigenous space. So, um, you yeah. know, when you do come out of it, there'll be a lot of good opportunities and you can rely on your network. And there's a lot of people that you've met along the way that you can re re spark the conversation with that, you know, will help you. You don't know where that next hand of help will come from, but it, it'll be out there for you, especially if you, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, awesome. Alex. Well, I do appreciate you taking some time and, you know, hopefully we can connect here. I'll be in local in Calgary the next like, few years, I imagine. So, um, if you do make right it back on. this way, we'll, uh, we'll have to get together. Yeah, yeah, I'm usually back uh, every summer and make it to Calgary a couple times. Um, oh, yeah, go Stampede yeah. next year. Yeah, hopefully that's working. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, biggest city near Kimberly, so yeah. <laughs> usually in Calgary a couple times. 
Well, that's awesome. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll stay in touch. And like I said, thanks again for you know shedding some light onto your career and you know providing some of that, that feedback for whoever's out there listening. Yeah, for sure, man. I uh, appreciate you having me. I'm a big fan of what you uh, what you got going on here. So keep it up. Awesome. Okay. Take care, Mel Wilkes. Yeah. Yeah. Good talking to you, man. Yeah. Later, man.